Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Here we are again. I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nev Prasad. I'm Steve Lynch, not David Lynch. Not at all. No relationship, no no relation. You look just exactly like you. Yeah, your hair is kind of looking a little bit uh, Lynchian today. Thank you. No, that's just my bed head. You Uh, you got your shirt buttoned up right the way to the top (laughs) because he wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, We're also joined very briefly, the man from another place, it's Dave Bluestein. Uh, Dave, tell us all about what the heck just happened in what is now part five of Twin Peaks The Return. Tell us, Dave. Well, we're at the beginning of part five and still in Vegas. The gangsters staking out Dougie's love nest plant a car bomb under his car, which is where you'd normally plant a car bomb. It's bad news for Dougie, but worse news, I think, for the car thieves who then try and hotwire it and are blown everywhere. Or the junkies kid from across the road who witnesses the whole thing. Burning bodies. He really needs a social worker. Their boss, an anxious woman called Lorraine, possibly the same woman who got the job from Duncan Todd a few episodes ago, contacts a pager with a number two to or from someone called Argent. Could that mean Silver, Argentina? Who knows? I haven't seen a pager in 20 years. Meanwhile, in Buckhorn, Constance Talbot, the coroner who is also doing stand-up on weekends and clearly only on weekends, has found a ring in that decapitated body. Not a jade ring this time, but a wedding band that says to Dougie, we love Janie E. And as wedding proposals go, stuffing a ring down a decapitated corpse is original. They don't know it yet, but a reveal later in the episode suggests that this could in fact be the body of Major Garland Briggs, believed killed in a fire 25 years earlier, and whose giant disembodied face we last saw floating through space in part three. Evil Cooper, or Duper, is still in prison. He predicts food is going to arrive, and moments later it does, which is much less impressive now that we have menu log. Duper's face half morphs into Bob in the mirror. You're still with me, he says, and that's good. And then we're back in Twin Peaks. And remember Mike from the original series? Not one-armed Mike, but the best friend of Bobby Briggs? Well, Mike has grown up and become an asshole office manager, which totally suits him. In the job interview from hell, he grills a new character called Steve Burnett, a drug-taking mooch who, as it turns out, is married to Shelley's daughter Becky, proving that the apple doesn't fall far from the step tree in law. We also meet Sheriff Truman's wife, and she's awful, like trout in the coffee pot, awful. And speaking of borderline misogynist Harridan wives in this show, Janie E is still hassling Dougie, and despite his bizarre behaviour, hasn't called an ambulance. Instead, she hides the money he's won and takes him to work. There he sees a statue of a cowboy with a gun which seems to spark something in Cooper. And then, looking lost in the foyer, steals a cup of damn good Joe from a guy called Frank, which seems to spark something in Cooper. And don't worry about Frank missing out on his coffee. He gets a green tea latte instead, and it's good. Turns out Dougie works in an insurance building, and that's where Cooper is now. And in a high-powered meeting, the lodgers still seem to be helping Cooper because a flashing light on the face of one of his colleagues indicates that the man is lying. The boss, however, doesn't see it that way and gives Cooper a big pile of case files, which seems to spark something. Although he still can't find a toilet or a co-worker willing to call an ambulance. Over at the casino, Burns, the casino manager, gets worked over by his bosses, Rodney and Bradley Mitchum, for letting Mr. Jackpots win all those jackpots, while three bored Playboy bunnies look on in the corner. He's beaten to a pulp, told never to return, and his job is given to Warwick. Meanwhile, Jade, the sex worker, goes to see her car detailer, who found the Great Northern Hotel key in the car and posts it in the mail. And Hawk and Andy are still going through files looking for that thing that is missing. Perhaps the biggest reveal of part five is that Lawrence Jacoby is now Dr. Amp, host of an online conspiracy show watched by Ben Horn and Nadine and a whole lot of others. And he's hawking those gold shit-digging shovels he'd been spray-painting for 30 bucks a pop, so some things never change. We also meet a scary dude called Richard Horn at the Bang Bang Bar who scarily smokes inside, but then genuinely scarily sexually assaults a young woman. Agent Tammy Preston continues to tilt her head a lot while comparing Agent Cooper's fingerprints on file with those of his doppelganger who's in jail. Meanwhile, Duper gets his one phone call and uses it to fuck shit up, disrupting the entire police station, presumably by uploading whatever it was he put on his phone back in episode two. He then says the cow jumped over the moon and the alarms stop. In Buenos Aires, the pager contacted by Lorraine shrinks into a small ball of metal. And as we leave Cooper slash Dougie, he's looking at the cowboy statue as the sun goes down and still nobody has bothered to call an ambulance. There you go. Covered some ground there. I love the fact that we've got uh, plots within subplots now finally starting to emerge. We've now got murder plots and other plots all happening. And in true Twin Peaks style, or in this sort of true sort of, you know, crime noir Mm. style, nothing goes right. The goons can't (laughs) even get a simple assassination (laughs) right, you know? So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, there's definitely some elements of comedy with uh, with the bumbling thugs. 
uh, hired by Lorraine, I think it is. Yeah, and that Lorraine's like just, it's, it's like a labour hire centre. She's, <laughs> she's got her desk and her calendar appointments. It's like, ah, oh, this job's been stuffed And up. her Blackberry oh, yeah. from like, I'm sure I had a Blackberry like that in 2007. Oh, so yeah, I'm yeah. really struggling to work out where the technology has been sourced from for this. And I've talked about this before, so... Yeah, well, I don't know what where Bad Cooper's hiring his goons from, but, like, number one, he goes out to the bayous and gets some uh, goons from out there. From Otis some, some, and Co. Yeah, Otis and Bueller. Um, they were duds. And then he's he's gone to this labour hire temp uh, yeah. organisation with yeah. Lorraine and all these other idiots. Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. anyway. Exactly. Now, just before we started... Recording this episode now, we were, we were talking about what she was doing with her BlackBerry, and you said what she typed in, and you explained it, which I didn't tell you at the time, but it blew my mind because <laughs> I've been getting it wrong. So tell us what she. Well, she types in Argent Two. Yeah, which, which I mean, I think we were talking about is perhaps a reference to Argentina. Maybe Argentina or so, Agent? She misspells so Agent Two. No, or? surely. Well, I thought Argent <laughs> as in silver, French for silver, which oh, yeah, is Argent. Right. Yes. But, until you said that, I've been sitting there just thinking, oh, she's so flustered, she misspelled urgent. <laughs> <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> Quick, I have an urgent message for David. Yeah, exactly, an urgent courier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they're going to send in urgent Cooper. <laughs> yeah. So, agent. Sorry, I'm just uh, lost my but we shit do, there. but we do. It, it does. I guess it translates to some black box sitting in a dark room somewhere, and the little lights go beep beep and flash. Two and times. it flashes red, right? So, I mean, and I, I've sort of written sort of who is she and note the old push button phone because I've got a thing about. I've mentioned this in the context of um, Lucy with her old push button phone, and I think we're going to see it later on the episode. I think Coop, Bad Coop in the prison has an old push button phone. Oh, so I'm yeah. like, seriously. Have, have these folks not heard of digital phones yet? Wait a minute. Maybe that's why she's got the she's got the BlackBerry mobile phones freak her out like they freak out Lucy. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a link. There's oh, it's all God. links, all, people. There you go, um, David Links. Oh, <laughs> um, God. We yeah. I, I love that uh, every time we see Lorraine, and uh, yeah, we'll get to see her at least another couple of times. Maybe not in this episode, but maybe in future episodes. She always has the same music, this weird... I call it the Mr. Snuffleupagus movie. <laughs> Mr. Snuffleupagus appears. There was always that music in the air when he yeah. came this along. This is Mr. So. Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street, for people who don't remember. Yeah, so right. that's not a Twin Peaks reference. No. Um, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, we definitely get that music every time she turns up. So, um, yeah. But we go we go back to... We go to Buckhorn um, in the next scene, and we my, my new favourite and possibly the only well-rounded female character that David Lynch has... <laughs> given us in this particular season of Twin Peaks in the form of Constant Talbot, who's a forensic investigator in the, the John Doe, Ruth Davenport murder case. Um, so she's she's doing a thing on the bottom half yep. of yeah. the cadaver. And she's doing a thing on the ring. This man definitely died by decapitation. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Hasn't eaten in days, um, but it has a wedding ring stuck in the stomach. And it's Dougie's. I've, I've theorised. Make of that what you I've will. thought about this for a long time, and then I had some theories, and then I've unhad some theories because I realised that doesn't make any sense, and I... Look, I don't know. I don't know. Clearly, Cooper, Cooper, Bad Cooper wanted the body to be found. He wanted to be found in a certain way, and he wanted to direct attention to Dougie, the decoy Dougie. So, but it doesn't make sense because if his plan had worked the way he intended to, Dougie would have become good Cooper, who would have been shot and would have been sort of disappeared. So the only one that in in America that would have uh, met the physical attributes of Dougie would have been Bad Cooper. So it's almost like if he's trying to point them towards Dougie, he's pointing them towards And we've been talking about Dougie possibly being a manufactured yes. person or character. So had if he, I mean, if he'd been manufactured in the truest sense of the word and perhaps really didn't exist or, yeah, I, I don't know, I'm sort of... Oh, the only thing I can think of, is this a backup plan because he hired the cheapest goons he could find? The backup plan is, oh. look, if the, if the goons can't assassinate Dougie Goodcoop... Maybe he'll at least get arrested and put in jail. Mm, and, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe but, he should have just done it right the first now, time. With, with Constance on the, on the job, We're he's getting hands. caught. I love her. She's funny. She's smart. She takes no shit from anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. She's a very cool character. Yeah. yeah. But we spent a lot of time in the justice system this episode. Yeah, because now we've got Bad Coops lying back in his cell, taking a break. Oh, and then the coolest moment of this season so far, like just really freaking terrifying, the the mirror. Yes. He says, now food is coming. They deliver the food and he looks up into the mirror and it's what every time we see a Cooper, 
good, bad, or whatever, look into a mirror. We want to see what are they seeing when they what do they see when they look in the mirror? And, and we get it. Yeah, and it's subtle. Like I say, like I've watched this on a, a device where I've got the you know device inches from a face, and also in my lounge room with the TV's quite a bit further back. I reckon there's you can see it sometimes and you can not see it sometimes. It looks like the bottom path of his face. You said this last time, right? Yeah, it's, I did. I did. Last episode, Absolutely, the, yeah. the bottom path of his face turns into Bob. Was you're I right? right? Yeah. Well, that's it. I didn't I see it on, say the, right. on the. I've been wrong about a lot of things in the last four episodes. <laughs> this is totally right. That is the Nailed bottom it. half of Bob's face, and it's just freaking terrible. Ooh. And I watched it again just last night. Uh, rewatched it with my partner, who said um, she she hadn't seen it first time around, and she was like. That is even scarier than the mirror from yeah, season, from season two. two. Yeah, right. Like it's one thing to just see it reflected back, but that subtle. that subtleness and then yeah. the the where it sort of turned back into his yep. into his face. And then he says, you're still with me. Oh, man, creepy as fuck. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, actually, because as a fa- uh, cause I've watched this scene a few times just to understand the, the sequence of it. And when Bad Coop's face morphs or the bottom half of his face morphs, he says, you're still with me. Yeah. And then his face goes back to Bad Coop and then he says, that's good. That's so good. it's mm. almost like he's actually talking to Bob yeah. whilst you see him in the mirror Yeah. Um, when he mm. says, you're still with me. Yeah. As opposed to just sort of musing to himself. Mm, mm. So confirmed, those guys are still in cahoots. Yeah. Yeah. Without any warning or without any... Like, a lot of these new locations, they actually have, you know, they've, they've had subtitles in some of the previous episodes where, okay, we're going to Buckhorn, South Dakota, or we're going to... Even the obvious ones like Las Vegas, where it's clearly, well... For some, it's clearly oh, the target. Oh, shut up. I'm sorry. never going to live this down. Can sorry. we just, like, move on from yeah. there, please? Um, but now we go back to Twin Peaks. I didn't pick it as Twin Peaks to begin with because I didn't recognise the character. Another returning character straight back in Mike there. Nelson. Running a used car dealership. As only... Where else, where else would he have ended up? Really? Yeah. He liked cars. Remember his, his nickname in, for a few episodes early in season one was Snake? And it's like, don't try and pretend he was like a cool badass little snake. But he was. Yeah. Oh, he was a strawberry Mike is the man. Blonde, yeah. But, but he does lay the smackdown on uh, the, the troublesome little millennial that comes into his, his office. It's true. And I think at this stage we only know him as Stephen, right? Yes, yes. That's He's right. in the credits of Stephen Burnett, but we only know him as Stephen at this point in time. He's about his sloppy resume and his incomplete form. And really, it should have been his sloppy resume, his incomplete form, and his fucking shitty moustache. Yeah, and his inability <laughs> to shave like just a human like, being. Your bum fluff is embarrassing. <laughs> and possibly, just by the look of him, a lack of personal hygiene. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's a stinky man for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, there's some, and he's, yeah, he's got... Just under the surface, there's ice itches all over him, I'm sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's a stinky, exactly. skanky yeah, he's dude. Um, so, yes, the less we say about him, the better. But he does re- receive some very valuable uh, job hunting feedback, which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He learned something. We are back in Sheriff Truman's office, Yeah, I we believe. spent some time in Twin Peaks this episode, which is, which is kind of nice, actually. Um, they're only mo- they're momentary visits, mm. I guess. But what, do we make of, of, uh, what do we make of... Truman's wife. Well, Doris. my notes just say shrew wife bleh. It's really funny you say that actually because mine says another handy performance by a blonde wife. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, well, she's pissed by, about a leaky pipe, which I think is her equivalent of the Morgans coming to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and again, it's another opportunity for Robert Forster as Frank Truman just to play, be patient and deadpan and, you know, so the thing about his character actually is just the moments of silence. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the dialogue. He's just completely willing to... I don't, look, it's, it's like his, his brain is just a black box. We don't know what's going on in there. All we know is on the front of it, he's just going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> keep talking, mm-hmm. In the background, who knows, in the back of his brain, he's probably saying, dear God, why am I here? What's going on? Uh, I should be somewhere else. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can extrapolate that as you will. I mean, in, the, in sort of the first sort of two seasons of Twin Peaks, both... You know, I guess the sort of Cooper and then Harry S. Truman—they're both very talky characters, yeah, right? Yeah. So the the, law, the Twin Peaks law enforcement character in, in Frank Truman this season is is a very quiet, you know, sort of passive, silent character, yeah. much in the way that I, you know, Cooper in his all his various manifestations mm. is actually very silent. Yeah, that's yeah. They haven't they haven't uh, overregged it with the dialogue. Mm. For the main characters, we've definitely gone for sort of strong silent protagonists. Uh, for some of them, it's because they've literally lost the power of speech. For some of them, just because they're they're showing their they're acting by reacting. They're they're showing their character by mm. putting up with these weird, ridiculous, out 
outrageous situations, including meeting Wally Brando, uh, interacting <laughs> with Doris, the crazy woman, uh, and just going, mm, yep. Oh, I mean, to is, deal with Lucy and Andy on a daily basis. This is what yeah, I got to deal some with. of them don't talk because they've seen a mobile phone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's scary enough. I think we can hear um, very sad moment just of the, him on the phone to his brother, Harry. Before yeah, so and now we actually know that, that Harry it's, is, you know... He's really not well. Yeah. He's not well, which yeah. would explain why and he's it's, not It's something that I hope doesn't get resolved. Like, I just, I don't want to... If, if Von Keen isn't going to make an appearance as Harry back healthy and well again and strapping on the sheriff's uniform... I don't. I don't want to know about his yeah, health, and I don't. And it's you don't reckon really, we're going to have a funeral really, at some point? I don't put, want to have a oh. funeral. I don't want that. No, I, I no, no, and certainly not a funeral. I mean, the last time we saw a funeral in Twin Peaks, you know, <laughs> Lehman threw himself in a coffin. I remember. Oh, see, there you go. We have Wally Brando throwing himself on the couch. <laughs> no, yeah, um, my God. After after wishing his godfather a swift and painless recovery. Right, yeah. swift and painless. Yeah, well, recovery. Yeah. Well, that's all you can hope for, I isn't suppose. That, isn't that... You normally say swift and painless in terms of death? Oh, well, yeah, either way. Swift and, pa- <laughs> swift and painless, if it's anything, it's swift and painless. Ripping a Band-Aid off, swift and painless. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have it that way. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. recovery he can't refuse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a funny feeling Harry S. Truman's going to sleep with the fishes. So not t- we're so not tired of that, are we? Yeah. Um, parts ago I talked about a, a lack of emotional response to, to the scenes that, that had been put before us, and I'm... Uh, I'm going to sort of go on the record and revising my position actually because the character of Cooper in the guy in the body of Dougie is probably one of the most moving character portraits we've seen so far. Yes. And it might be assisted by the what I have called the slow sax ballad. Um, but I <laughs> yeah. think that it actually has a name and, and Lynchy I think you've downloaded the track. Uh, yeah, the the song is called Windswept um, and it's by Johnny Jewell. Oh, it's not even an Angelo Badalamenti number. No, no, it's not Angelo. It's uh, yeah, Johnny Jewell. So we should put a link to to that on the um, on the show notes. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Well, if you want to see the links to any of the stuff that we're talking about, particularly if we're talking about media, books, movies, any of that stuff, you should definitely visit DaveandLynch.com. This episode is going to be DaveandLynch.com forward slash part five. So if you Go to your browser, daveandlynch.com forward slash part five. So if you want to go back in time and download this episode that you are currently listening to, yes, that's that would be the way to do us. it. Yeah, that's how we work in the Black Lodge. <laughs> yes. No, it's not just where you can download it. Of course, it's available on iTunes as well. Uh, but all of the ephemera and the stuff that we talk about, there's links to the books that we talk about because there are so many other different little pieces um, other David Lynch works, books that he's written, and all of that stuff. So a lot of his there. artwork as well. So yeah. you know, he's um... and our artwork. Some of ours is up there. We've got our own little sketches and <laughs> diary notebooks and <laughs> scratchings and scribblings. Are you going to put up my donut disturb? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, but no, I'm going back to sort of this emotional reaction to the Dougie, the sort of the Cooper and the body of Dougie. I mean, particularly around this series of scenes that he has where he's standing in front of the statue of the lawman outside of mm-hmm. the Lucky 7 insurance company and um, I originally thought it was a, cow- a cowboy but I had to go back a few times and sort of work out that it's actually a, the statue of a lawman you know, and Dougie's clutching some case files and I, I know I'm jumping out of sequence but I suppose we're sort of talking broad themes anyway um, you really get this sense of someone who there are so many Clues and so many touch points into the the life that this man had yeah. that he's he's cognizant of, but just can't quite make the journey back. Yeah. It's like it's a sense of being lost. Yes, I yeah, think. and it was, it's like waking up and remembering, trying to remember a dream you had, and it's only just starting to come back in bits and pieces. And you're oh, hang on, that's right. Yeah, it was in. I remember it was a dream. There was a cowboy, and, and well, there was someone holding a gun. And then I had case files, and multiple times during this episode, we see. Cooper at the base of this statue, caressing the shoes, looking at the gun, yeah. uh, with this yeah slow sax. Uh, and much in the way that I have a thing for, for stray dogs. I mean, I'm just like, oh my god, I just want to take you home and like just pat your head, <laughs> yeah. feed you. But there's also the moment where he's looking at his son, uh, or looking at Sonny Jim, not yeah, his natural son, yeah, yeah. of course. There's manufacturing involved, but <laughs> and the, the tear drops down his face. It's it's really beautiful, really moving, and maybe again that's something where. It's it's not just the bits of his life that he's lost, but may, or that maybe that's maybe that's him recognizing something in Sunny Jim, or maybe it's Cooper, the the or old, the child the Cooper, within Coop, I child guess, in or, Coop, yeah, yeah, or or knowing the part of his life that he actually never got, he didn't have the wife yeah, and child yeah. 
um, as as his own sort of lawman. You're saying he didn't father a child in the Black Lodge. There we go. Oh. oh. No. Uh, there's no evidence for that at all. Um, I love the fact that uh, while Dougie's at work, we've got two lots of goons now casing his house. Uh, oh, no, so not his no, house. No, it's, it's the Rancho Rosa. It's house the Rancho, Rancho Rosa, Rosa uh, house. It's where his car is parked, yeah. which he's never bothered to actually It's get where he does some of his best work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got the guys in the red muscle car who are the assassins looking to kill him. Then we've got a second bunch of goons in a black muscle car who I suspect don't want to kill him. I, I, I think these are the guys that are, they owe the money to. Yeah, I think these are the guys that there's 50 grand owing and they're going to break some legs. But I think what's particularly notable is the, the camera work with this scene, right? Because you see the the it's a red muscle car, I think, which has got the goons that have been hired by Lorraine, or from Lorraine's agency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they come down. Goons are us. Have, you know, have a quick look. Stop in front of Dougie's car. Have a look. He's nowhere to be seen. He hasn't called out yet. Exactly. <laughs> keep, keep going by. And then the camera pans back into a, a, a repeat, I guess. Yeah. With a, with a black car this time with the... I guess the, the the next lot of goons doing exactly exactly the same thing. Meanwhile, you've got the boy from across the street whose mother is. I think she's actually credited as. I call it junkie mom, but yeah. I think drug adult mom, drug drug drug, drug mom or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Is that more politically correct? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, watching and again we have this. Uh, I guess this theme or the um, of, of spectating. Voy- mm. of, of wearism. Yep. yep. We're watching through the blinds. We're watching through... Someone is watching. Mm. Blue velvet. We're watching through, the, through those slats and the louvers. Exactly. At, watching a crime happen. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and we will get a chance to come to that. Um, but Dougie does eventually get into his work. He gets well, yeah, through, through, the help, through the help of... Um, Phil Bisbee, I think is his name. Which, oh. which God damn, if that's not the darndest name out of a 1960s <laughs> oh, yeah. movie, I've never heard. Yeah. Yeah. And the return of some uh, very much missed uh, Battle of Menti music. So the the brushes. The yeah. Oh, I love it. It's just, um, yeah, it's a really nice entrance. Him in the in the lift, in the elevator for our American listeners and getting the coffee. Again, uh, Americans drinking big, long, milkshake-sized coffees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think Phil says to him, I think because, you know, he steals yeah. Oh, yeah, Frank's, Frank's Coffee. Frank's Coffee. Is it Frank's or is it Tony's? No, it's Frank's. It's yeah. Frank's Frank. Coffee. Yeah. No one steals from Tony's Coffee. <laughs> he looks <laughs> like he's, he's going he's gonna to bust some heads over. Yeah, that's, yeah, t- yeah, is that, yeah. uh, that's our old mate uh, Tom Sizemore. Yes. The yes. Actor playing Tony. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I um, sort of remember as always being like the goon that they would get back in the days before James Gandolfini became Tony Soprano. Oh, yeah, like right. If you needed a goon in a, in a movie, it was si- Tom Sizemore. <laughs> oh, he was <laughs> It's true. Oh, yeah, he was your go-to heavyweight but you know you've got um, you've got Cooper Dougie Cooper grabbing what Frank's coffee cup and just putting it to his mouth and drinking it with two hands like a sippy cup. Yeah. Oh yeah. So and again, it's this childlike kind of thing. He actually can't even yeah. find the nipple. He's kind yeah. of like, oh, I know. Oh, there I, know. Oh, I know. And I must say, I've got to, you know, I mean, I love Carl McLaughlin, but I watching him play Dougie out of all of the characters is, I think, I've, well, sorry, Cooper in Dougie's body. I've got a brand new respect for him as an actor. Yeah. He's been killing it this whole season. With the, when you think about the number of things he's done, he's good coop in the lodge, uh, bad coop. Uh, he's Dougie. He's coop as Dougie. Yeah. Um, all of these are facets that we never got to see in Just series one beautiful. and two. Yeah. And it's he's Lorraine. Really, it's yeah. it's fantastic. And it turns out some of his powers from the lodge, or maybe some of his intuitive. Uh, detective powers. I always found him a, a weird detective, um, mostly because a lot of the things he seemed to find by accident. Even when he was like a regular agent, an FBI agent, like a lot of the stuff he found by accident, Tibetan rock throwing and all this other stuff. And now he's got lie detection powers, yeah. uh, which just uh, managed to go off because Tom Sizemore, aka Tony, was saying that oh, the Littlefields uh, case, it um, it wasn't arson. Mm. But then they said like, no, no, it was arson. He says, no, he's lying. Yeah. That little green light, that's that's what tips him off. Mm. So green light indicates something that's not real. Yeah. What is it that Dougie wears? Green jacket. Green, green jacket, jacket, motherfuckers. Holy Boom. shit, man. Dougie's whole He's existence is lying. Non-existent. He's a lie. He's a lie. Yeah, yeah. Blowing mine since 2000. That's how you work, Jay. For someone who just he says his role is just as a fanboy, you have these alarming moments of illumination. Yes. Yeah, well, let's enjoy them all I have. I'm going back to Dougie any moment. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, give two rides. Mm. But I mean, what, but in, in terms of um, Cooper, Dougie calling out Tony as a liar, 
it gives rise to him being given a series of files. Oh yeah, to do his homework. Case files. Case files. Case files. Yeah. He's yeah. He's gradually get, developing. You feel like he's getting closer. He's yeah. getting, he is triangulating in on his old. Um, his, his old identity and, and what it is that... How did he get good at what he did? It's obviously there was some sort of intuitive understanding of how the world works and spotting the details. And this is not in this episode. And spotting I think it signs, might, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's so, so far it's coming out in drips. Now the question is, is are those drips just going to get bigger and bigger? Oh my um, God, or is it going to be so. one flood where he's just going to come back? Um, I don't know which is going to be. but at, at, Or how far in, right? Yeah, if it happens yeah. at all. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's got to, you feel like it's got to happen yeah. because otherwise, even oh. for David Lynch, otherwise, I think that would be... Exactly. That's right, yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Totally. But I guess how far in is it that we're going to see this happen? Yeah. yeah. Um, poor old Coop. He has another bathroom He can't. Break. He seriously, he's, he, he really, he, he really can't get a break when it comes to peeing. Yeah. yeah. But the ladies who... Uh, so the girl in the office who's knocked back other, other old mate who's had a crack. <laughs> and clearly Dougie's had a crack in the past and she's like, yeah, look, you're a little fat, you're a little blurred. Your hair's a little then, bit weird. That's right. And then he comes back as slim down Carl McLaughlin. She's like, hell yes, you can kiss me. Yeah. Yeah, notwithstanding that green jacket. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'll take that off. Um, but, you know, who, who wouldn't, right? Yeah, yeah. But, no, he had other things on his mind. Uh, yes. His like he needed to pee. Floating. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So for another day, I guess. Yeah. Um, we do manage to transfer back to... Uh, Should we talk about Startone Cameo? That's, I think that's in the next scene. It's probably where you're going. Oh, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, So we get back to the Vegas control room. We finally find out the fallout of what happens when someone wins 29 jackpots on your watch as casino manager. Well, I'll tell you what happens. Two badass motherfuckers turn up and beat the shit out of you is what happens. And one of them's Jim Belushi. Yes, right. which is great. Which he doesn't do any of the beating because yeah, he's just too much of a badass. He's just going right. to stand there. But what I really liked about this scene I found quite interesting. I mean, you know, the beating is fine, whatever. But um, <laughs> what I found really interesting were the three showgirls in the pink dresses. Yes. yes. Just standing by, really broadly disinterested. Yeah. Just watching on. Oh, they've seen it all before. Yeah. Were yeah. they brought there as a warning just to let, you know, or they're just there for the entertainment or they're just, you know... Well, you do have to wonder, right? Like, what is the purpose of these with the women in this scene, right? I don't know. Like, if it was, is it is were, it a level of desensitization to this kind of? Maybe, maybe. If they were brought in, if they were, if their reaction was different, if they were sort of cowering in the corner and looking scared and, and troubled, it might have been like them sending a warning and just and just let you know, no funny business or this can happen to you. But they didn't. They didn't seem to be doing that. They were yeah, just looking at their nails and just like. Oh, they seem oh. I, feel, I feel it's like. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's like in the the pilot of season one, the 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 kid in the high school who's walking backwards, who's walking sideways. Oh, yeah, and does a little yeah, yeah. There's, Heidi. <laughs> there's just there's just some people in the background doing their own thing, and it's weird, and it's a nice little non sequitur. Um, Are so. you suggesting that there's something that has no meaning whatsoever and just take it at face value? <sighs> Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to wrap my head around that for the next couple yeah. of seconds. <laughs> In the credits, they're credited as the Mitchum brothers. So They are, yeah. Uh, there's some, there may be some connection. I was going to say with Robert, with Mitchum. Robert Mitchum. No, there's no. There's That's no. in the real world and yes, he's dead. That doesn't make any sense. No. Yes, right. Okay, carry on. No. Um, we're, but we're back at the at the Rancho Rosa and I think, I mean, we talked about the, the punks and the black muscle cars sort of, you know, pulling up, but I think this is when these guys sort of, get turned into toast, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think they're, look, they're looking for their 50 grand. They're thinking, well, I might maybe we'll pinch the car and that might be worth some of it to cover the gambling debts. They weren't banking on there being a bomb in the trunk yeah. and, yeah. 50 grand, incidentally, also being the, the savings that they had by not showing the explosion at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just cut away, boom, and then go back oh, yeah. and see a car on we've fire. T- we've talked about some of the dodgy special effects. Yeah. And some of them are dodgy on purpose, I think. Like yeah, some of the, so like the handcrafted uh, claymation, like uh, charcoal man, charcoal man, no brain on a stick. Um, like really, he did not put that much effort into brain yeah. on a stick. That's uh, because he used all the budget on the drone. You know, the drone overviews of New York and Vegas. Yeah, yeah, and it's not like there aren't. Uh, well-made special effects and cool stuff going on there, but some of it he just really doesn't care. It's yeah. a bit hokey. Yeah, it's it's not it's not what he cares about. No. You're right. You're it's 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 exactly. He's All got. you need to know is that the car blew up. Yes, exactly. We get it. Exactly. Yes. He could have used a stock stock footage of like an atom bomb going off in Nevada somewhere, and then just cut back to the car and, <laughs> That's and right. three dead smouldering <laughs> bodies. But I tell you what, junkie junkie mum's son really needs to buy a lotto ticket that day, right? Yeah, oh, he's, he, yeah he did dodgeball. He also needs a lot of therapy. <laughs> Um, I know, poor kid. Well, again, you know, sort of kids or youth who have 
unfortunate circumstances or are damaged, mm. potentially damaged. And maybe he just had to go back and call 119. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, weirdly enough, ah, that so, was another so, is, of... so she, is she a doppelganger maybe, of some well, sort? you know, who knows? Look, <laughs> there's been speculation, maybe, like it's... Because I don't read the internet, but I know you do. I do. I saw some <laughs> speculation. I think it's been pretty quickly dismissed, but... If you look at one of the earlier episodes of a police car, um, on the side of the police car, it says, you know, police emergency 119. What's so, that? Well, so that, maybe well, in well, this universe, that's the number that you call. So you know the only police car we've seen is in Buckhorn. Buckhorn, that's right. So are we thinking that maybe Buckhorn may not be real? Oh. What? Well, uh, hey, what? We're going down a big time oh, rabbit hole now. Oh, that is a rabbit hole maybe. if we are. And like, if, no, no, if what you're saying is that the, the emergency number in Buckland is 119. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big stretch, even for David Lynch, for yeah. it to be a real world thing. Yeah, like, the, the I mean, the, the internet chatter that I've seen is has really not gone too far with it in, in the same way as there's, after every episode you have a theory, and then by the next episode you find out that that theory is bullshit because yes, it actually right. didn't mean anything. So in that first time okay, that we well, saw the kid... Everyone's like, oh, that, that kid represents David Lynch himself. And as a, as a young child, oh, no, we're never going to see him again. And cut to two episodes later. And, and yeah, yeah exactly. no, I mean, I just think of yeah. that kid as being a, a yet another voyeur in, yeah. in a sort of what's sort of a whole string of, you know, sort of scenes about voyeurism and, and watching and spectating. But, yeah. but then that scene finishes as well with another little strange thing that we've mentioned a few times about the music choices throughout the mm. season. Like crazy, over-the-top dramatic like a big blah 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 <laughs> after like, and well and truly after the cars exploded it's just gone back inside pretty much said my mum poured his cocoa pops and as it's as it's fading out it's blah 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 I know it's, honestly this kid really needs to eat a carrot or an apple he's eating saltines <laughs> and cocoa pops right that's well it. dude that's what's, what's in the pantry when your mum's a junkie that's you get what you get exactly. don't get upset um, a nice little throwback to you know, twenty pe- Twin Peaks twenty five years ago is um, Jake. Jake give two rides is <laughs> uh, getting a car washed as well. She might, given yeah. what she does for a living. <laughs> did oh, I, I, did, I, did that. I just oh, say that? that? Was gold. <laughs> <laughs> she needs everything washed. They're just like just they're, bleach they're, everything. They've got that UV light on the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she um she her her car her friendly car wash operator gives her finds the keys to. The great, the great Northern Hotel room, room, yeah. room and five. Yeah, hands them to her, and, and being the the hooker with a heart of gold, she does the right thing and pops them in the mailbox. Yeah, which I think is obviously well, clearly is going to turn up at some point. Yeah, later. Yeah, back to the that would become significant. Yeah. Two to four business days later, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> US Post. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like, look, I've made a note here. Like, thank God, at least something's returning to Twin Peaks. It says Twin Peaks <laughs> returning. <laughs> Oh, oh, we haven't had so too much go back yeah. there, but anyway. Oh, no, let's, let's let us return to Twin Peaks. Oh, we do, Peaks we do, Because actually, we've yeah. got one of my favourite characters of, of the original Twin Peaks. We see her for a fleeting, or for a, for a few minutes, and I love her, is Norma. Yes. No, yeah, and she's still, she's still gorgeous. She's there. Yeah, isn't it just a great uh, summary of like the, the human lifespan that because there's so much time between the first two series and now, uh, we've seen... 20-year-olds become 45-year-olds yeah. yeah. and we've seen 40-year-olds become 65 and 70-year-olds. Yeah. So it's this really um, this beautiful comment on the the real ageing that, mm. that you just can't fake. It's not makeup. It's, yeah. okay, this is... This is what Peggy Lipton looks 25 years later. And yeah. yeah, she's still, she's gorgeous. She yeah. still looks amazing. And I think the only thing that they've done to it to make her look like maybe she's a little bit, she's 25 years older, is they've given her some glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But she needs them when she's doing the paperwork for the, uh, yeah. filling out a tax return. Well, you, would you trust Hank to do that for you? No, <laughs> Hank's not doing any of that. <laughs> no. And just that beautiful shot of Shelley and Norma standing next to each other above the oh. cash just the way they always used to and they I always know. will. I mean, maybe in the, a quarter of a century you thought Shelley might have gone out on her own. Instead <laughs> of the competitive the, the double S the triple, yeah, triple R. Well, no, maybe she's the one behind double R to go. Uh, the evolution oh, yes. of the double R. Oh, yeah. It's always been that, hasn't it? There was no. No, it's never to go. Never now to it's go. now it's a. No. Maybe there's a delivery service yeah. involved. No, there, okay. yeah, yeah. I think there is a delivery service. Okay, well, and and the takeaway service, right? Well, I think we're going to see that a bit later on. Mm. Um, it's it, it 
I can also confirm that the double R exists in Snoqualmie as well. Been oh, there, really? had cherry pie. Is it called the double yes. R? No, it's called the. Oh, I've forgotten the name, but they've still got the double R to go sign as well. Oh, so, wow! And how was the cherry pie? Freaking great! Wow, damn fine. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, it was damn fine pie. Um, massive, that- massive quantities of pie. <laughs> so wow! The what? Presumably, that's all they sell there. Like, is it just a, is it a tourist haunt, or no. the locals are actually? Is there? It a pro- it's a proper diner, it's, isn't it? It is a proper diner, um, and so it's got all the usual stuff that you would expect in any diner in America, yeah, which is yeah, pie and burgers and dollar fifty and coffee and yeah. all that all that sort of stuff. Banana split, um, yeah. And they don't Apple pump up the Twin Peaks link hugely insofar as in the main part of the diner it's just a diner and you recognize all these parts mm. uh, but then if you go down to towards the bathrooms they've got that little the hallway towards yeah, the bathrooms yeah. is where all of uh, the pictures are the up on frames and oh that's the, oh so they've got a ephemera up there as well yeah, oh that's, that's right. great um but when we How would they, presumably no one goes to i don't even know how to pronounce the town snoqualmie snoqualmie no one goes there Except on a Twin Peaks well, pilgrimage, sure. No, well, because they have the festival there. They have the festival. Yeah. But yeah. remember, and this is the thing that's really amazed me that um, over the last twelve months or so, as as people have got more and more uh, into the spirit of the forthcoming season three, mm. everyone's pretended like Twin Peaks has been at the zeitgeist nonstop for these twenty five years. It hasn't. That no, was no, yeah, dandy right. for a until, long time, right? Until maybe two thousand and ten, I reckon, when they were talking about bringing out the Blu Ray and they were going to film. There's some new scenes in a in a double R style diner. It was just you know there were some people on the internet that kept it going, and there was yeah. a wrapped in plastic fanzine, yeah. and it was just not in the in the consciousness at all. Yeah. So when I went there, it was just starting to come back. Yeah, right. But so we went to we went we'd already booked into the Great Northern, which I'll always call the what? Great Northern, called the Salish Lodge. Oh right. Um, and are the interior were the interiors shot there? So it actually, on the inside, looks like that. Or was that many a of the interiors, but not all. No, because so, I think they did a lot on sound stages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, and there were other. There was another town also in the Washington area that they shot some bits. So like the conference center part oh, yeah, um, okay. was was different. Yeah, oh, yeah but. So there's a lot that that reminds you, but really all the big ticket items they're all outside anyway. So the waterfall, yeah, yeah, the look yeah. of the lodge, yeah, gun racks the made of yeah. uh, <laughs> sheep hooves. Yeah, but when I went in there, um, the the lady at reception was like, "So how you going today? What what brings you to our beautiful town?" And I was I was like, "Look." It's a little bit embarrassing, but I'm a massive Twin Peaks fan. Yep. And she, like, looks left and right. She's like, that's fine, dear. Many people are. <laughs> and she, like, pulls out a, a sheet of paper that gives you the tour of if you want to see all yes. this, the Twin Peaks bits, um, here's where you go. Oh, and So there was that's... the big log. We saw the big log. Um, <gasps> oh, yeah, they, right. They do have a big, the big wow. log. Um, and, of course, like I said last episode, the, the sheriff station, the yeah. mill. Um, there's a few things that aren't there anymore, but it all there. Is, there is that strong vibe. Yeah, and, is the, and the waterfall is there. Like that's the waterfall the... is there, and the the Salish Lodge is on the waterfall in the exact and same is way it, that the ground is. It is it really a timber town? Like, is it a mill town, or was it a mill town? I think it was, um, but we didn't really stay long enough to get a vibe for what yeah, drives yeah, yeah. the town these days. I mean, it's you just... You just went there for the pie. Basically. Went there around, went there for the pie, went there for the overnight at the Great Northern. Wow. Saw the waterfall and then... Did the giant you know, visit you in your sleep? Look, the giant did not visit, but here is something that freaking well happened uh, and true... Um, I, I'll swear this happened to the day I die. We were driving through the I don't know, Twin Peaks, mm. <laughs> looking, looking at all the different spots and we took a wrong turn and we're driving along this... Uh, this road that was in the deep in the forest, mm. so we were in the woods. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, we got overtaken by a school bus, yeah, and right. it was like the classic American school bus, so you know, yellow school bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, overtook us and sort of zoomed off ahead, and we kept driving. And there were no turnoffs, there were no private properties, no driveways, nothing. And two minutes later, we got to a dead end, and there was no school bus. <laughs> There's a fucking portal to a lodge. Where did it go? Where did that school bus go? I don't know. But Black happened. Lodge Tertiary Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Happened. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, I love that we've had that. Um, I love that we've had that tangent because it, it it takes my mind off the shitty shitty situation. Uh, that well, the reason why Norma and Shelley are hugging in in the in the double R diner is because. 
Um, Shelley's had to raid the till to give money to Becky. And her handbag. Oh, and her handbag. And her handbag. To give her money to look after her shitty, shitty boyfriend, Stephen. Again, my notes. <laughs> Shelley's daughter, Dash, dating fuckstain. <laughs> I clearly did. And, and the thing is, if you go back to episode two, mm. remember when Shelley's talking to her friends in the yeah, roadhouse and yeah, they yeah. say... But she's like, my daughter's with the wrong guy. Yeah. And I was like, but everyone loves Stephen. Who the fuck loves that guy? No. Who could? No, not even his mother yeah, does. That exactly. he, is, he is terrible. I, my note says, uh, Twin Peaks, raising assholes since 1989. <laughs> oh, God, what a skank. Yeah. Oh. I, I, and Norma says to Shelley, actually, she says, if, if you don't help Becky now, it'll be harder later. Yeah. Whatever that help might mean, actually, because obviously giving her money is not help. No. Yeah. Um, and Shelley says, we both know that tune. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Shelley's been dating assholes since 1989. Yeah, there you go. yeah well, you know, <laughs> Norma did not choose wisely. No, actually, yeah, you're right. Um, but you noticed something from the credits, didn't you, Nav, in terms of um, that he's not just her boyfriend. Stephen's not just... They're him. married. They're married. So I thought maybe this is sort of like, you know, wanton youth of Twin Peaks. Oh, so, you know, like, no. Because you know, like, obviously in seasons one and two, the wanton youth were in high school. They're obviously not in high school anymore, but I mean, they, these two are married. Well, actually, no, but that's completely consistent. Though, wasn't didn't Shelley get married to? She was married yeah. to she married Leo, Leo, and they got married young. And they, but they didn't. They, they got married young, and Norma obviously and she Hank had clearly married. made the wrong decision. Um, Norma and Hank yeah. married young. Oh yeah. god! <laughs> he is it? No, he. Not a fictitious characters making bad life. I choices. know, but it's not just that. But I, Amanda Seyfried. Kisses the guy. I hope she got danger money for that because she got. She looks I like she got know, herpes. And or I, some, I know. I know. And it's, oh. it's again. It's an. It's. I guess. It's, ah. a, it's a young, lost blonde. I think a lot of it has yeah. been made about uh, the one of the rare instances that I did sort of go to the internet to read about various things associated with this part. And people talked about um, because there's this beautiful song that comes on on a cassette player mm. in the car, which I analog me just loved. <laughs> um, is is a song called um, I think I, I love how you love me. Oh yeah, right. Which is gorgeous, and you see Amanda, who she's wide-eyed, and or Becky, she's wide-eyed, and her hair is blowing in the breeze. You mm. know, she's sitting in a convertible. She's on coke. How big? Well, she's on, again, like <laughs> I say, it's still the drug of choice in Twin Peaks. Yeah. And yet he looks like, like a total ice addict. He totally yeah. There is not cocaine <laughs> in that man's system. And you know, and people talk about what a beautiful scene that was, and I'm like, here, I'm thinking, oh my god, seriously, this is like lost youth, lost innocence. Yes. Yeah. At work. It, the scene it reminded me of was in Firewalk With Me where Laura talks to Bob, I think, through the ceiling fan or something. And yeah, she, she's looking and, up. And, and her yeah. smile just gets up and it's so freaky and unnatural. And I sort of felt that same. Yeah. Yeah. It, it wasn't exactly repeated, but it was that same moment of the, like you say, the It's smile. a tipping point. Kind there's of a beauty, thing, there's it? a terror and, a, and a, a wildness and a kind of a... I feel fantastic. This cannot last, and it's not going to end well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. So you know, we have a look. I mean, obviously, the, these two characters are going to come back later. Yeah, um, and they've got more of a role to play. Um, but we we spend we spend more time, I guess, back with with Cooper slash Dougie. Um, and again, I think we just have a few little vignettes. We're going back and forth of him with his case files and more sort of insights into this sort of childish innocence. Um, he's still just loitering around the base of the statue at this point, isn't well, he? Well, he's also in the lift. Like he comes you know, at the end of the workday, he's in the lift. Oh, and he's, he's facing, facing the wrong the way. Wrong oh, yes. yeah. Come on, Dougie, let's go. Which our challenge to listeners is do that one time this week. <laughs> just get in a lift, face the wrong way, especially if it's just like you and one other person. I'm totally... Don't break eye contact. <laughs> oh, God, okay. A challenge accepted. No, I'll report back next that. week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we haven't... Um, Look, we could probably. There's probably a couple of scenes we can kind of skip over because really, I'm quite. I'm at this point in time, I'm kind of bored of talking about Lucy and Andy. But um, yeah. just cut straight to the chase. Let's talk about Jacoby. Yeah, anarchist YouTuber. Yes, Dr. Jacoby. Doctor Amp. I've, yeah, I've got survivalist TV marketer, but yeah, yeah. doing his doing his He's best Alex Jones conspiracy theorist. Doctor Amp yeah. doing the vamp for liberty, climbing the ramp for justice, and climbing the lamp for freedom. Yeah, and just like all those guys, like never saying anything, just like. Oh, but there's only one person that can show what society is, and I turn over the rock, and they're squirming, and they're worms, and you're like, and I've got my, I got my freedom justice torch, and I, <laughs> oh, which is basically just like a torch and papier mache. 
paper mache wings on them or something. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, we all know what's going on. Poisoning our food. Chemtrails <laughs> in the sky. Yeah, we know what they're going on. Cancer. Cancer. <laughs> always cancer. Yeah, always. Oh, my God. Oh, There's so God. many parallels with the room. It's so oh, funny. I love that he takes a drink. And this, I'm expecting if he's going to have a drink, he's going to have an umbrella in the drink. There's yeah. no umbrella in his drink. I oh, know. He, he said goodbye to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, he's no longer here. No, he's drinking from the cold, fresh yeah. streams of the peaks of Mount whatever it's called up there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And again, another, uh, as the as the fanboy who jumps on the internet when I said a few moments ago about you get you have a theory at, at one episode and it's just blown out of the water. <laughs> I remember just pages and pages of people just going, well, here's what the shovels mean. The shovels, <laughs> like, shovel gold, it's a gold digger. It's all about gold diggers oh, and all God. about this. Oh. And all that. And, oh, no, no, no. It's just, it's about the spiritual quest that David Lynch has been on. Oh, and, right. and now it's just like, no, it's Jacoby selling a shit shovel yeah. for $29.95. <laughs> Plus postage in hand. And I kind of feel like it's like David Lynch almost predicted that people would just sort of start looking deeply. I was, shovels. I was He's like... No, Fuck it's not you. that. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Is it a shovel or is it a spade? Yeah. Is it the spade? One-eyed jacks, the spade, uh, clubs. <laughs> well, you uh, were talking a few episodes ago about something to do with maybe like the Ghostwood Estates and breaking ground because they break ground with gold shovels. Yeah, well, I thought it was going to be that he's spray painting these things because they're going to be, you know, it's going to be a groundbreaking ceremony. Well, it certainly is well, groundbreaking. groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is, I love it that he is... Uh, He's running this weird thing. And who are his audience members? Well, well we at least get, the ones we see. Well, we get to see... I mean, we can talk about Jerry, right? I think, you know, Jerry's lighting up a doobie in the woods. Yeah. Stoner Jerry, and he's watching it on his iPad. Yeah, Stoner Jerry thinks this is great laughs. Yeah. Like, like you said last episode, this is the equivalent of watching Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> 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 Wizard of Oz is just like, fucking yeah. Dr. Ramson again. Yeah. Awesome. Woo-hoo. But Nadine is like... But someone taking it very seriously. Speak yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah, she's like nodding and smiling, like she's like she's in church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. She all well. She knows she's she's met she's met the worms and the grubs. She couldn't get her patent on her. I know. Runners. There's a part of me that's like thinking maybe she's like jealous that she's actually able to get this up because her drape her silent drape runners just didn't go anywhere. No, but she knows she's beating her head against the red tape, the bureaucracy, the worms, the grubs. <laughs> she's taking it to the man. Yeah, cancer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Far out. Uh, anyway. Um. Look, there's a there's probably you know we sort of talked about some of the scenes and how we're trying to work at how they could possibly be connected or mm. you know um, uh, you know we're sort of into episode f- part five now mm. we've got thirteen parts to go so you know hopefully some of these threads are starting to get will get tied together. Soon. I'm just excited that we've got thirteen parts to go. I know. <laughs> we're not even close. I, don't, I know. I don't. I don't. I don't want it to end. <gasps> we go back to the Pentagon and there's been a, probably a sixteen hits in twenty in the last twenty five years on mm. Major Briggs and his prints. Oh, That's yeah. That's right. And good old Ernie Hudson to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we've got the Ghostbusters on the scene. Yeah, who I, who <laughs> who I, believe, the is, from I the... believe he's called Colonel Davis. Oh, right, right, right. But he, uh, he sends his very chipper, spry, uh, spry lieutenant, Cynthia Knox, to, to Buckhorn. So I, I think we're going to be going back to... I mean, clearly that's setting us up to go back to Buckhorn because yeah. it's been a while since we've been there. And now, so, when they said that we had a hit on Briggs's prints... Everyone poo-pooed that last time when I said, oh, the headless body is Briggs. No, who poo-pooed you? Last week when we were talking about this stuff, I said that the dead body, the Don Joe, the, the uh, John no, Doe. No, no, Steve says something about him being, like, fat, but I, I didn't put There was yeah, no poo-pooing. No, that's just... So now you're going to unpoo your, your idea was excellent. I, I was just, <laughs> personally wrong, but the idea was great. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, yeah, I love the fact that, yeah, we can, we can be 100% confident and wrong. Uh, no, no, week. what we were talking about was the fact that we thought that Briggs had possibly died 25 years yeah. ago. But if this person is Briggs who's died 25 years later, I mean, if, if it was if Briggs, if it's Briggs' body, surely it would have been decomposed mm. had he died 25 years ago. Yes, but what about the... How, does it, how are we getting the prints? But, but, and this is the thing. They say that this has happened 16 times in 25 years. So his prints have shown up on a number of bodies over 25 years. Ah, uh, right. That's why they're investigating, which, I mean... Obviously, we don't know yet, but could that be every one of Bad Cooper's victims? Yeah, um, right. And then the last um, thing he does is he's like, oh, card. here we go. Put those fingerprints on. <laughs> exactly. Today. Exactly. Who knows, right? <laughs> Who knows? Okay. Um, Clear as mud. Yeah. Oh, I thought we had a bit of a premature um, finish to this episode because we go back to the Bang Bang Diner and the band starts playing. I'm thinking, hey, yeah. no. Hang on, it's only been like 44 I minutes. Know. What's going on? Once again, just as David, Lynch, just as you get used to one of David Lynch's ideas, like, okay, the outro is yeah. is thrown to the band, he, he does something different. It's, and, yeah, it's a band called Trouble. Yep. 
Oh. Which is, does it feature Riley Lynch? Yes. Now, I don't know which one Riley Lynch is. I don't know. but He's not the saxophone player. I think the sax player no, is... No, no, no. no. He's the front, front man. I it's a front man. I think oh, Riley right. Lynch is yeah. the front man. Yeah. Um, but the song's called Snake Eyes, which, you know, is kind of a nice throwback to Bad Cooper's non-blinking obsidian eyes. Yeah, and the casino at One Eye Jacks and everything that goes with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, look, I... I think I'm, I think I'm just... Clutching at straws there just quietly. I love the music. I love that at some point there's a close-up of the drummer and he's getting a little bit excited and he loses one of his drumsticks and has to quickly fumble and make oh, really? a quick recovery. That. Yeah. But it gives us the opportunity to meet yet another lost youth in the in Twin Peaks world. Yes. Another arsehole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but he's like arsehole on top of arsehole. This guy is just properly over the top. But also just like, you know, like a lost, wanton youth um, kind of thing, which is, which is Richard, right? So Richard. his creditors, we don't get to know him... By his surname, but in the credits, he's Richard Horn. Yeah. So he's clearly quite the better. He's quite the Richard. Yeah. I'll give is him he that. Audrey's kid? Let's hope not. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, he's got to be related to some part of that yeah, dynasty, maybe, right? Maybe Ben's had another affair and and had a, a, a young child that he's abandoned. Well, Ger- you know, terms Ger- of a life of crime. Jerry's torn himself away from baguettes and cheese to like father <laughs> a child. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, no, he's a little scumbag in the Leo Johnson mould. Yeah, sure. he t- absolutely. Yeah, just. Yeah. And again, a scene where he sort of basically puts a woman in a woman in a headlock, not dissimilar to Bad Cooper and, and Daria a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he certainly. It's malevolent, I think, was what I. Yeah, mean. even for the implied violence and the implied sexual violence that has has been it's been a theme of the entire thing, but mostly it's been done fairly sensitively and obliquely or through hints. Um, really? Less so, well, less so in Fire Walk with Me, but. We never. Oh, you're talking about in, in terms of in the original Twin Peaks, yeah, 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 in the TV Twin Peaks. But now that we're post TV and we can put anything we want on screen, in pretty dark, vulgar. Yeah. Woman in peril is yeah. yeah. I I don't disagree with you really, but but there have in having recently rewatched it, like the Leo and Shelley stuff. There's some bad. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's got the, the soap in a sock and yeah, just some yeah, awful true. stuff. Yeah, and you know the Renette. Pan- I mean, even in before Firewalk Me, you see the scenes with Renette Pulaski and she's walking on the rail tracks and she's got cigarette burns into a, into a chest. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's some pretty. A- uh, yeah. But I mean, the other the other thing that's really interesting about the scene is you know Deputy Chad who. We saw last episode, and we sort of got the sense he was a bit of a douchebag because, you know, he kind of didn't really buy into the whole, you know, the, the impact that Laura Palmer's death had had on the community even 25 years later. We we really get a sense this guy's a bad dude. Yeah. The name Chad just feels so appropriate. I so hang on, know. I'm looking at my notes. Where was Chad in this so, thing? So the guy that um, says, I'll handle this, and he gives the cigarettes to with the money inside... That's Deputy Chad. That's Deputy that, Chad. That, oh, that was mean right. about the log lady. Like as if as if we didn't know he was bad enough by being mean I about know. the log lady last episode. And, and, then, he, on, and oh, then he had right. a kind of a giggle when Bobby was crying when he saw Laura's photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I saw Chad being an asshole when he was in uniform. I just didn't recognise him yeah, out of no, uniform. That's, that's oh, right. Right. So, oh, that makes a lot so of sense now. So he's been given money, so yeah. there's a bit of the payoff for the drug. Oh, I hate Chad even more now. I didn't even so, think that was possible. Another challenge for the listeners. Anyone, if anything bad happens, if anyone's acting like a douchebag and you and your friends are Twin Peaks and just turn to them and just go, what a fucking chat. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see memes. Yeah, memes go, what, what a chat. <laughs> Send us your best memes. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you look, if you want to get in contact, you're very welcome yeah, to. Seriously. Yeah, you can contact us at uh, daveandlynch at gmail.com. Um, we'll do our best to sort of uh, respond. We're not always recording these things in real time. Sometimes we batch them up and do a couple of episodes. Sometimes we'll be there'll be space between episodes based on our own uh, commitments. And we'll do our best to get episodes out. Now that the parts are being released one week at a time, we'll do our best to, to respond in real time. So if there's anything we've missed, have we missed some blatant clues? We've missed a blue rose in the or corner or something. Or just a different take on something. Or you just yeah. want to say hi. Yeah, hit us up, Lynch at gmail.com. Or you can get, grab us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Lynch. So we spent a bit of time with Bad Coop now, which is it's a more more time with Bad Coop, I should say, both directly, but also through um, through Tammy Preston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's is, is Steve's favourite. Yeah. Well, this woman. is the thing, uh, the, and she's she's clearly doing something cool here. And in the last episode, Gordon Cole said she's one of our best agents. She's got the stuff. Yep. So I just I really am hoping that she does prove that she's got the stuff and that the actress. Yeah, and also she clearly she's kind of dropped investigating Sam and Tracy's death because yeah. this is far more interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's out there. <laughs> that was just an alien with boobs. Like that's, <laughs> that's all they've, they've solved that case. Moved on to the next one. Time to look at some fingerprints. Yeah, and uh, well, she's comparing the the fingerprints of 
She's looking at. Well, she's looking at ba- uh, bad bad coops mugshot. Yeah. And what did you think was the was the she was looking at now? Well, I I sort of saw this uh, maybe the last, the first time we saw bad coops um, mugshot, and I guess it's been it was validated this episode is that if you look at coops mugshot and you look at bad coop. They, it kind of looks like Bad Coop, but it's kind of not. Yeah, there's something a, there's a bit distorted something a bit there. The thing going on, and yeah. so you know, I, I I think what happened is in, in photographing Bad Coop, you actually Bob must have been with him at the time because there is a slight distortion of the nose and yeah. the and the lips. So there, there's that, but also she's look, Tammy's looking at Coop's fingerprints. Yeah, and she's comparing them as if they don't well, add up or they don't make sense. Which... Well, first of all, she's looking at. I think what the first of all, she's looking at a picture of a young Cooper. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and then she's looking at the mugshot, yeah. and clearly in her mind, something is not adding up. Yeah. Then she looks at Cooper's clearly his F, his FBI agent's file fingerprints. Yep. Yeah. With the fingerprints that were taken when Bad Cooper was arrested, uh-huh. and again, something is is not adding up. So I thought. And may, and I don't know whether it's I, again I can't remember whether it's because I observed it or whether I'm just projecting. Is I thought Bad Cooper's fingerprints were a mirror image of, of Cooper's FBI. I want wow. that to be true. I want that to be true. I also made that same prediction, uh, but I don't know if that was confirmed actually in the thing or that's just I don't us. Think so because thinking. I don't know yet, and that sound, that's until it sounds you said plausible, that, right? that sounds plausible. That sounds like a good explanation. I'm a little bit embarrassed to say. This isn't so much a theory that I had, but as I saw it in real time and she's zooming in and I was like, wait, is that a pattern in the fingerprint? And then my my stupid dickheaded brain was like, wait, in his fingerprints, is that a miniaturized like thing of the owl cave diagram? <laughs> With a stick figure of a giant and a dwarf next to each other. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, no, no, you said some things that maybe sound a little bit hokey before, but have come to pass, so, you know. If this one comes to pass, I will be very wow. surprised. I'd like to know that he's got uh, Major Briggs's fingerprints right there. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Um, but then we spent some time directly oh, with, yeah. with Bad Coop. Yeah. He needs to make a phone call. And it, it's the private phone call that uh, a, that Agent Cole says, let him make his private phone call mm. and tell me all about it. Yeah. Not really and private then in that case, is it? <laughs> Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. But, well, you know, it's, it's in a federal penitentiary. Yeah, right. Nothing's private in a no, federal exactly. penitentiary. Well, Cooper, Cooper knows he's being watched because he looks right into the camera and says, is everyone ready? Again. We're all look, good to go? Again, looking, looking into, into a camera. camera. And says... Something about Mr. Strawberry, and that freaks the woman out. Oh my out. god, yeah. that fr- and it freaks me out too. But but well, that freaks us out because we're freaked out by so so much weirdness on our screen. Yeah, but true. Do you think? I mean, and is, then well, is, nobody is, says, is, "Should I call Mr. Strawberry?" No, I don't think I'll call Mr. Strawberry. I don't think he's taking calls. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but that's something to do with the warden. I reckon. Well, the warden starts freaking out at this he point. So the warden out. knows the significance of so Mr. Strawberry. Mr. Strawberry is the John Doe. We, he's not. He's not taking any calls. Oh. We know, I chopped his head off. How you like them apples? How you like them strawberries? Oh. Oh, so now you're saying that the John Doe is not Major Briggs. Major Briggs is dead and decomposing. You never remember. Anyway. But anyway, then this then this is almost after building so much dramatic tension and and, and fear and. You then have this ridiculous scene where he starts pushing buttons on this old push button phone that are like way too many buttons. It's like. And everything goes haywire. All yeah, the alarms go off, skills. the klaxons. Oh, yeah, he's hacking. He's rewriting the major encryption. Yeah. I know this. This is Unix. Yeah. And then one of the weirdest lines, which I'm sure will make sense at some point, where he says, the cow jumped over the moon. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we all know what that means. That, yeah. Do we even need to comment? We all know. What, oh, it's obvious, right? So yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Right along. <laughs> so, so yeah, we we the agree cow- that it's weird that he calls says Mr. Strawberry. It's weird that he's a bit too quick with his fingers as he puts the buttons. It's weird <laughs> and that he's typing in way too like many. No, it's not sorry. fucking weird at all that he makes a mobile phone in Argentina shrink. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Buenos Aires. Well, at least they do have a slug to uh, to uh, go to that. And it's the same, we can now reveal, it's the same little box with the blinking lights that Lorraine yeah. contacts. Yes. Well, well, it took the Can we confirm that? Call. Yes, yeah. It's the same going back. They look the same. Well, it's, it's, no, it's got the, the same the light bulb. It's the same tray. The the light bulb. We cut to the light bulb, the cobwebs. and the... Uh, Clearly, I'm now in that sort of headspace where I just cannot assume <laughs> you're, oh, you're anything. Doubting everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doubting so, everything. Yeah. What is existence? <laughs> exactly. So He's a... given the command to self-destruct that 
box and that communication. And whatever the consequences are of that, we w- will find out. Yeah. Yeah. That's some, well, at some point, I don't know. As much as we have said in previous episodes, okay, now at least uh, the groundwork is there, the broad brushstrokes are there, mm-hmm. the map of what needs to happen is going to happen, so it'll do-do-do-do-do, and now we've got these other 17 different mysteries that we've yeah. got no freaking idea what's going on. It's a touche lynch you've yes, done again. Yes, you dirty thing. So after all of the weirdness, we end on just something a little bit simple and a little bit beautiful. Oh, and, and quite emotionally sort of moving, really, which is... Cooper Dougie standing, still standing in front of the lawman. Yeah, it's it's dark. Yeah, and windswept is playing again. Windswept that is playing again. Song. The guard, the policeman, tells him to move on, and he's he's still there like a, a lost boy with not knowing where to go. And again, no one taking, <laughs> no one understanding <laughs> that this is someone who clearly he's mentally needs ill, help. Or he's on drugs, or he's something. He needs help. Please, can someone just call nine one 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 nine and get this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the thing that I took from this episode is that I think we talked about Twin Peaks and Buckhorn and what do these two places have to do with each other, if anything. Mm. I think we're now starting to move towards a path where these two places, much in the way that in Firewalk Me, Deer Meadow and Twin Peaks, which were neighbouring towns, had a connection. I think now Mm. we're starting to see a path where these two... These two storylines may intersect. It may be through Major Briggs, Blue but Rose. one way or the other, I hope Constance Talbot is there. Oh, she'll be there. To, she'll be there to guide us. She's through. here all week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, on that uh, on that note, we, we might uh, wrap this episode up. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again next time. Bye. And remember, don't be a Chad. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening.